podcast starts. We're not scholars. We have not been to Bible school. We cannot take credit for the following opinions, ideas, views, or historical facts. They are a combination of our own thoughts and the thoughts of others that are way smarter and worked way harder. We reference lexicons, commentaries, articles, sermons, and other educational videos and content to bring to you what we're going to share with you today. We'll include all references in the description of this podcast, and if we reference same and if we reference someone else's opinion, we will try to state their name and the year they spoke it, because the opinion that we may have come across may not be up to date. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Disciples Quest. My name is Justin. I'm Will. And I'm Emily. And we are extremely excited to give you guys the last part of Hebrews 11. Uh, we're reading from verse 30 all the way to verse 40 today. Uh, can't wait to get into it. Wrapping up this section, uh, I've learned a lot from Hebrews chapter 11 alone. Um, but before we get into that, I would love to hear, guys, how did your week go? Will and I went to go see Jesus Revolution. Ooh. Even though we're fasting from TV and movies and stuff, we were like, well, we should just go see it in theater to support it because, you know, it's a Christian, good message movie. And when are you going to be able to see it in theater? Right now. We did it. (laughs) Yeah. And it was really, really good. Like, so good. What was the theme of the movie again? Without giving any spoilers, like, what was it about? It was about the Jesus movement of the late 1960s, early 70s. Oh, right. Yeah. Very interesting. The hippie one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's all true story. Like, really based impactful. off of the books written by the people that the story takes around takes place around yeah based on true story cool and what'd you think I mean, it was all right what i'm kidding no <laughs> i really recommend it because it's a movie that shows christianity in a way that's not hokey like you know how some movies are just a cheese fest and it's like why am i watching this yeah i don't like cheese fests yeah <laughs> no, I totally know what you mean. There's, there's, I, I guess, unfortunately, Christian media has had a reputation of kind of cliche, like kind of milk toast, not very great storylines. Just content that's meant to please specifically Christians. Yeah. yeah. But there, this is there's some movies that stand out from that, but for the most part, that is true. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that anybody could watch, really. Like, it's, it's a compelling story. Like, I feel like. Yeah, I just feel like it's a movie that anybody could really watch, Christian or non-Christian. It, it mm-hmm. was entertaining, and it was done in, in a really impactful way. Like, it very emotional, very... Like, it captivates you. I'm going to have to see this movie. It sounds great. Or in other I words... I watched the trailer. It looked really good. Mm-hmm. Or in other words, it's actually the first Christian movie I've seen that I actually liked. <laughs> you liked The Case for Christ. Okay, that one's really good. You All liked right, Risen. Second. Oh, that one's really good. Okay, third movie I liked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But also, um, The Hiding Place... Oh, that one's really good. The fourth <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> so I guess because I'm just used to like, um, anyway, never mind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like uh, Christian movies, like good Christian movies are like few and far between, I feel like. Yeah, but I feel like they're getting better. Well, hopefully. at least this one was pretty yeah. good. So uh, I don't really want to talk about too much because I just don't want to give anything away. So I just, just go watch it. You can watch a trailer if people really want to see like a summary. It's just about um, during... Where the time where the hippies that? were really on the rise, there was this one guy. Uh, basically, people were kind of like mostly rejecting them in terms, like just like the church and stuff like that. I guess is what the I guess what they're trying to say. The, they the didn't message, want the hippies in the church. Yeah, because like it, it, that was during a time where people were really 
like button up, right? Like uh, the church was just everyone was wearing a suit, all the guys were wearing a suit and all that kind of stuff, and the hippies were just wearing these crazy colors. They're barefoot, you know, <laughs> camping out in parks and stuff, and they didn't really want them in the church. Like there, they just wasn't really a lot of like connection. And then, <clears throat> um, I guess that the story just is takes place around this one hippie that kind of changed that. Um, who was a hippie, but he was also a Christian. And, and he looked like Jesus. Yeah. yeah, We actually got sure. the actor from The Chosen to play him. Of course. The one plays right. Jesus. Um, where they started getting different instruments in there and contemporary music and all that stuff. Will and I, um, one reason why we even saw that movie was because we decided to make it a week where we weren't really going to book a lot of stuff. So we were able to just be like, let's go watch a movie. And it was sporadic. It was nice to spend some more time together because often we're busy doing various things. So just having time to just sit back and relax and just talk and think about things has been good. And even doing the fast from TV has been really helpful so mm-hmm. far. Like we've been reading books together and just talking more mm-hmm. at nighttime instead of mindlessly watching TVs. So yeah. yeah, that's been nice. Some really good books that I've been wanting to get to for a long time that I finally can. So. We bought a book called Tactics that Will recommended. So we're going to probably read I that, that eventually. Book. I've read that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Justin, how was your week? My week was pretty good. I uh, can't complain about anything. I got to spend a lot of time in the Word this week, which was really nice. Um, but other than that, pretty normal work week. Can't complain. Um, so I'm very excited to get into Hebrews today, chapter 11, and we'll be reading from verse 30. Better than you deserve, right? Exactly. Starting from verse 30, I'm reading from the NASB translation. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others experienced mocking and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with a sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy wandering in desert and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through the faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. Mm. Very powerful section. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Imagine being that guy, or guys, I guess. And girls, I don't discriminate here, where you're being told, hey, let's march around these city walls for seven days. So just so you guys can understand this story a little bit better and why it was chosen to be in here, I'll actually read the story. It's pretty short, so I think it'd be good to add it so we can really understand the story. Starting Joshua 6, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. 
having seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, mm. with the priest blowing the trumpets. When you hear them a sound, a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. Then armed guards marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then mm -hmm. shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Hmm. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priest took up the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it is to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in that house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and being trouble on it. All the silver and gold and all the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Hmm. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, man, woman, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out in the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out all who belonged, all who belonged to her in accordance with your oath to her, which we will get into very soon. So the young men who had done, with, done the spying went out and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out the entire family and put them in that place outside of Israel. Mm. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But wow. they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, her family, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men that Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, as she lives among the Israelites that day. Mm. And it goes on. That was a little bit longer than what I thought. Um, but anyways, so that's the, that's the story of the walls of Jericho that had fallen. So if we reference that back to what we just read, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. So how is that a showing of faith to you guys? They kept on doing it even though there was no results at first. Yeah, it was just this endless repeat of this, but probably was an exhausting, energy-intensive, and resource-taxing ritual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. repetitively yeah. until they, they just they did they had no indication of when it was going to happen they would just do it do okay do it again all right next day do it again next day do it again mm -hmm. until the walls came down so that would have taken in mind the area of the world they live in it is probably blazing hot outside too mm -hmm. like this is not a fun thing very mm -hmm. tedious daunting and it, it probably seemed useless to some of them like really yeah 
I bet you there's a lot of complainers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and if I put myself in their shoes, it'd be like, really? That's impossible. You're saying if I'm March and we play the trumpet, and then at one point we all go, oh! And then the <laughs> walls of a city are going to fall. Yeah, and it's not like you're hearing the audible voice of God saying this. Yeah. There's a prophet. That's a basically guy that's just, saying yeah. God said this. It's like, yeah, God said this. Uh, just trust me. It, 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 to everyone else, it looks like he has no plan. He's just like, you know, stalling mm-hmm. for time. Uh, just trust me. Do this one other thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, so. I mean, uh, he probably talked a little more confidence than, uh, uh, just trust me. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you know what? Like For sure. Putting myself in their shoes, and that's what, I think it's very important to do that in all these stories, because it's easy to. To look mm-hmm. out from above and just be like, oh, pff, that's so ridiculous that they would believe that. And right. this is not uh, a comment that has anything to do with faith per se, but like, imagine being the people outside in the side of the city. They're like watching them. They're like, what are they doing? <laughs> they're <laughs> I never even thought of that. Or anything. They're just like super confused the entire time. All right, I why guess, are they marching around our city? I guess they're oh, harmless. They're so just wait, marching it's around. Like they're marching around <laughs> the other side. All right, uh, put the troops on the north. W- oh wait, they're going to the south. Put the troops there. What, what are they? So but is it maybe, uh, I think part of it too is they're just trying, I wonder if God is trying to make the army completely complacent. Where it's just like... Testing their faith. Well, they're testing the Israelites' faith, but they're yeah. in the, in the, the army or the, whoever is defending inside the city walls, I feel like they're just trying to make complacent, where they're just like mm. starting to lose their mm-hmm. alertness because they're just like, these people are doing just marching around the wall. We're not Fair. really doing anything. Yeah. I think it's a very iconic. And not only they're story. not doing, they're not even saying a word. He said, "They're not talking at all. Everyone's silent except for the trumpets." Mm-hmm. That would be pretty confusing they're if like, you're inside who Jericho. In the world are these weirdos? Yeah, I think it's a very iconic story. It is. Um, like the way that they kept on walking, they kept on going around, marching around the walls, playing their trumpets, and then they did the big scream, and it all fell down. Can you imagine what happened to the soldiers <laughs> on top of the wall when it fell? It's just beautiful. They probably died. Probably. It's amazing imagery, not thinking about them all dying, but the imagery of the walls falling down, this big obstacle that was in their way. They obeyed <laughs> God, and it happened. I'm picturing that right now, hearing these like bellowing yells from all these people, and also <gasps> hearing everything's shaking. Did either of you watch... Veggie tales when you were little, and did you see the Jericho one? Yeah, Jericho I was one? gonna say, like, I was reading over the story with my dad the other day, and I was like, "Man, Veggie Tales confused me a bit." Because, like, looking back, I couldn't remember what the actual lesson was there, and it could be because you know I had to have to rewatch it to, mm-hmm. to hear what Bob was yeah, saying as commentary. Yeah, I'd like to uh, buy some of them. And but it was them. like they threw Slurpees at them. Really? If I was fish, no, that's the Jonah one. Was it? Yeah, no, they had they threw Slurpees like pink slushies you don't remember that part no i don't really I, all i remember is that when i was little i would scream along with them and it was a whole thing that i loved oh yeah they all scream yeah yeah it's but like no, bring down those balls the, yes the the soldiers in jericho throw slurpees and then they bring this like big <laughs> cement mixer and out of the cement mixer slurpee and they just pour slurpee on them. <laughs> so that's why i mean like looking back i'm like dad i like veggie tales for, for those listening, Veggie Tales does an amazing job at telling stories in a way that's digestible for children. But sometimes I think it's like, uh, we could have got done without the Slurpee thing. Yeah, I remember there was always lots of pizza mentioned and yes. in them. And the slapping the fish thing that Will mentioned, that was from the Jonah one. Were the people always, in Nineveh would slap the fish. To be fishes. fair, the people of Nineveh oh. did worship a fish god. Oh. I think that's where oh, they got that from. That's, that's hilarious. And they, they try to make it more engaging <laughs> for kids, right? So they, they do things like... 
What are they? Why were they in Nineveh again? The the others, the guys that were on the ship, it was because they won a contest for like uh, twisted cheese curls and root beer. Oh yeah. <laughs> what so it's like a part of that was just a story, but but I think that the one thing I'd I have worry about that. And I guess that's where parents have to be involved in telling the story to the yes, kids. Is that like, that's how I remembered the story of Jonah for years. And that's where, I, oh, yeah, they didn't they just, like slap people with fishes. No, no, they killed them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. A pebble, didn't a pebble just go off of Goliath's head and then he fell on the ground? No, it probably would have been a larger stone that got stuck inside of his head and then he cut his head off and brought it to the king. Five oh, smooth I didn't know that. stones. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, okay. There is a bit of danger there. Maybe you would have like sliced a big yeah, pickle game. Yeah, but a I think they're good to tools to start the conversation. And yeah. I, I really want to have access to Veggie Tales when I have kids because I want to be able to teach them. And I, I do believe. Next first guess, come on. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think this is a fine topic to to go for a bit. I was like, I was just gonna say, like, I I do believe it does a great job because I don't want to disparage it because it does do a great job. Mm-hmm. Like um, I learned a lot from Veggie Tales. I did kid. too. Mm-hmm. So. Not only were were we talking about, yeah, it seemed like a ta- a daunting task, and probably people thought that was like impossible. How could how could voices and shouting or like shouting and and trumpets knock down the walls? Not only did that thought go through their head, but they probably thought, and then the city will be ours. We're gonna be able to just go in there and and conquer them, mm-hmm. and then that'll be ours. And he told them, yeah. Yeah, God said so. God said that will be done. And they listened mm-hmm. and they persisted. That is why I think it's included here, right? Is that this whole chapter has been dedicated to pointing out these great people that had strong faith. And yeah, the idea of marching around an entire city for seven days, that God would give you that city, that you would conquer the people and that you take it as your own. Yeah, that's faith right there. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. It is. And then the mention of Rahab. So in 31, it says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, when she received the spies with peace, did not perish with those who did not believe. Justin, can you pull up a verse about Rahab, please? Yeah. So we want to read a bit of the story of Rahab, just to remind the listeners. So when we're talking about the topic of her faith, you'll understand what it is we're saying. So I'll read a section here from Joshua 2. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho's. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men, the sons of Israel, have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered to your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman who had taken the two men... But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark, that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up onto the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order in order on the roof. So the men pursued them out on the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, she shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to one of them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water on the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shehan and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. 
When we heard it, our hearts melted and had no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, you therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for yours if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully to you. So then the rest of the story goes on, and she does hide those hide the men. Uh, I'm just making it brief because we don't want to read the whole story. And uh, they went to the countryside, and they were there for three days, kept looking, couldn't find the men, obviously, because she hid the men. They came back from the hill country, and uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, they had relayed to him all that had happened. They said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. Wow. So it was a great story of the faith that Rahab had in this God that wasn't, she hadn't, doesn't to me anyway, sound like she had an extremely close relationship to, even though like the that closeness of relationships to God wasn't very common in the Old Testament anyways, but she was clearly a strong and brave woman for anyone yeah. listening because she entrusted the Lord and she recognized what he had done for others. It's like they, it had mentioned how he led the people of Israel through the Red Sea. She heard about that. She heard about that story of this God. And she heard about the stories that he had led them through the people of Israel through many trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. And because of that God that she heard about, she thought, you know what? I'm going to have to put my faith and trust that these two men will spare me and my family if I help them search for the land of Jericho. So that is a pretty strong faith that she believed in the God of Abraham, the God of Abraham, even though she didn't have, I believe, any direct, uh, what's the word, revelations with God herself. She heard of this God and that was enough for her to have faith in him to the point of that the fact, the hope, hoping that she, her life would be spared as well as her family's, which we read about right before this, which was obviously after. That would have been in Joshua 6. So we learned that her life was spared when Jericho's walls came down. Mm-hmm. So they kept the promise to her, which is good. But yeah, what do you guys think of that story of Rahab? I wonder if she just did it like out of fear for her life or if she also did it out of a faithfulness to God. It was. Did she do it because she wanted to be faithful to God, or just because she was terrified? Probably more so that she was terrified. I was thinking that That's too. That's probably what fueled her faith. That's probably what fueled her wine. Just she saw all the stuff happening, or heard about all the stuff happening around, and she's like, "Holy, that's gonna happen to me." I think Rahab um, put her faith in God, like it said, how they don't really believe in men anymore because God was the one that was able to part the Red Sea and everything. And I think she might have been acting a bit out of fear of her life and for her people because to know that this God was going to come against them and that he was the one that could do all these wonderful, powerful, amazing things, she wanted to be on the right side of that. And I think that's where her faith was coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Because she saw, well, this God is clearly powerful. He can split a sea? Are mm-hmm. you serious? They walked across dry land? Look at all of these crazy things that that this God has done for his people. There's something here, mm-hmm. is what I was thinking. And I do believe part of it may, may have been fear. 
um, because those people were looking for those guys and she hid them. Well, the consequences of lying to them could have been pretty drastic. Mm-hmm. They could have killed her, uh, imprisoned her. Who knows, right? Yeah. Um, and she she entrusted her faith in God that mm-hmm. God would help her, and and hopefully that God would spare her life. Yeah, she knew that God was stronger than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a great story. I love it. Mm-hmm. I really like how the writer of Hebrews includes Sarah. And includes Rahab because it shows how there are strong female characters in the Bible. Even people are often like, oh, there's no strong women in the Bible. They're all submissive and whatever. But no, we got girls like Rahab being all like, you know, being all confident in their faith and taking yeah. charge of things. Like it's I just I love seeing that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. And not only that, but if it wasn't for women, the message of Christ's resurrection wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. He entrusted women specifically to go tell everyone of what had happened when he was resurrected. Yeah. So for those out there, progressive Christians that believe that the Bible is misogynistic and, and uh, is hateful towards women, I would just advise you to uh, read your Bibles again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's that obvious to me. <laughs> the Bible, the Bible from what I see clearly says that every woman was made in the image of God mm-hmm. and he made them with a very unique and beautiful purpose not just creation if that's what you're thinking I was going with that procreation that's part of it but every woman has a very strong purpose and these women in the Bible are great examples of such a strong faith that we can really look to and I'm sure that many women I can't relate uh, many women would look to them and just be inspired mm-hmm I'm inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ruth and Esther, Naomi. There's so many women in the Bible. All the Marys that are mentioned. All the Marys. (laughs) So many. Yeah. And what more shall we say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets. Maybe just keep on going. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, and shut the mouths of lions. Uh, Shall we... Touch a bit on okay. Yeah, Let's continue it's a conversation. <laughs> Quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Yeah. Okay. So basically, there's Someone's so that's right. There's so many examples in the Bible of faith that the writer of Hebrews can't even mention them all. Yeah. He made this huge laundry list of all these ways that they showed their faith. Yeah, and it's like, you know David? You know Samuel? You know all those guys? Well, I, I can't even get into that because it's going to take too much time. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it shows ex- God's faithfulness. Many, many, many stories, yeah. And just too many. And that's it. Just, it cakes the entire Bible, really. Like yeah. Old Testament and New. Everyone, all Christians that were following God, that were, I guess, the protagonists of the story, you might say, is following like faith. It's, yeah. it's faith. And of course they're the protagonists of the story because the Bible is about them. It's about God working through the lives of people. And the examples given in 33 to 34 are a slither of the amazing works that God did mm-hmm. through these people. Yep. So he was, these people were only able to do these things by faith because it says like through faith, subdued kingdoms, yeah, administered justice. You know, it just keeps on going, yeah. going. They stopped the mouths of lions. They could only do that because they had faith in God and, and God was working. And think about those characters. Well, who conquered kingdoms? Well, 
David did, Joshua did, right? Um, we read about even when they were, when they conquered um, Jericho, mm-hmm. shut the shut the mouths of lions. Daniel did that. Remember the story of Daniel Lions Den? He shut the mouths of lions. Well, he did. God did through his faith. Escaped the sword. What about David with Goliath? He escaped the sword with him. Quenched the power of fire. First example I could think of that. Well, I'm like, who, who quenched the power of fire? Who escaped the power of fire? Well, you Shadrach, about, Meshach, yeah. and Abednego. Abednego. Yeah, Shadrach and Benny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I still don't know their names. Shadrach and Benny. Every yeah. time I try to say their names, I get confused. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, in the fiery furnace, and God saved them from that. They escaped all these things. Out of weakness were made strong. Mm-hmm. Became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. Well, I mean, there's been several times where armies have retreated. Are we talking about the one where it's like they heard like a loud noise and thought a bigger army was coming? That's that a the good one. They're one. Referencing? Well, I think it's referencing a be, bunch uh, of things. That would be Gideon, right? Yeah. So when I um, hear, hear that, this is the, the story that I think of, where there was like four lepers outside their uh, town that were basically, they're outcasts, right? They're not allowed to go inside the city. And they're starving. Or maybe they were, but they're, anyway, they're outcasts. They're starving. And so then they went, I think, to... Um, this enemy's like camp basically to uh, see if they could get food, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, if they kill us, we're gonna die anyway." So I mean, what's you know, what's the point? Right. Either we die quick or slow. Either we die hungry. slow and painful, or we go over there and ask for food, and they give us food, and that's great. But if they kill us, eh, you know. And anyway, so now there are four leper, uh, leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, "Why do we just sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city." Then the famine in the city, and we will all die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us go over to the camp of the Armenians. If they spare us, we will live, and if they kill us, we will but die. They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Armenians, and they set out. They came out to the outskirts of the camp of the Armenians. Behold, there was no one there, for the Lord had caused the army of the Armenians to hear a, a sound of chariots and sounds of horses, even the sounds of the great army, so that they will. They said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they arose and fled into the twilight, and they, and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp just as it was, and fled for their life. When the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank, and carried from them, carried from there silver and gold and clothes, and went and hid them, and they returned to enter another tent, and carried from there also, and went and hid them. And then they said to one to one another, we're not doing right. Okay, anyway, the end of it is just like, um, I, I don't need to keep reading here. It goes on for quite a ways. But basically what happened is that the Armenians basically camped around the city, and so we kind of shut their gates. And there's different ways to basically uh, perform a siege, I guess. Um, one way is to just like basically starve them out, which is what they were doing. Right, they had city gates, but it didn't, you know, stretch all throughout the farmland, right? I mean, this was a common practice until only maybe a hundred years ago. If you were, if you had some type of disease, if you were some type of social outcast, whether that be for whatever reason, um, for a country they don't allow, they would just throw you out of the city. Like you weren't allowed in. And I, I could be wrong on the dates. Maybe it was a little bit further back than that, but they did this yeah. for quite a long time in human history. Yeah, so that's basically the story, right? They were sieging the city, and their people were starving. You know, there's famine inside because of it, and so they just went to the camp to see if... Anyway, and that's that. And I think Justin found a different story, which is also equally as interesting. Yeah, the one that Justin and I both thought of with that passage has to do with Gideon. So, Justin, pull that up. <laughs> pull that up there, Jamie. So, I'll read the story quickly. Then Gideon and all the people who were with him rose early in the camp 
and camped beside the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was on the north side of the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give to Midian into their hands, for Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. Now therefore come proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Therefore it shall be of, who, of he of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But everyone of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those people has who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the three hundred men who lapped, and will give the Midianites into your hands. So all, let all the other people go, each man to his home. So the three hundred men took the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands, and Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now the same night it came about the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for it will I have given it to you in your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, go with Purah your servant down to the camp, and you will hear what they say, and afterwards your hands will be strengthened, that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Purah his servant down to the outposts of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites... And all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as numerous as the sands on the seashore. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend, and he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it, and it fell, and it turned upside down so that tent lay flat. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given you the camp of Midian into your hands. He divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them, with torches inside the pitchers. He said to them, Look at me and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I, when I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, you shall also blow the trumpets all around the camp and say, For the Lord and for Gideon. And then he goes on. I won't read the whole story, uh, but they confused the armies by um, blasting the, the horns and smashing the pitchers that were in their hands, which had the torches in them. So they probably saw fire. They heard people screaming. They heard trumpets. And uh, the men of Israel were summoned. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country saying, come down against Midian and take the waters before them. Uh, they captured the two leaders of Midian, Oreb and Zab. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and they killed Zeb at the wine press of Zeb while they pursued Midian. And they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon from across the Jordan. 300 men took down an estimated 120,000 army, person army by having that faith in God that he would see them through it. I'm sorry. 300 guys against 120,000? If I was in that army, I would be shaking in my boots. To see, they said, they said, like the, the example they gave was it looked like a swarm of locusts. That's how many soldiers they saw there. Wow. And they took them. Wow. Yeah. Through very interesting means by confusing the enemy, which is really cool, actually. It is. I think that's a cool way that God chose yeah. to do it. And uh, 
So we see the faith of these people, like God, like all the ones we mentioned, right? They captured kingdoms with Joshua, shut the mouths of lions with Daniel, escaped the sword like David with Goliath, quenched the power of fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All these examples. Mm-hmm. Gideon, um, the four lepers, and William well, mentioned, like literally just splattered all over the Bible. Definitely. Okay. I will say that the lepers probably had a little bit less to do with faith. They're more just like, we're going to die anyway. So maybe oh, yeah. not the perfect <laughs> okay. relatable example. Fair enough. But anyway. Starting from verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured and did not accept deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trials of mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins while destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Wow. That's intense. I feel like that's, to me, that's talking more about the New Testament, right? Did you guys get that vibe? Uh, yeah, I, I think this is more the people that were the early Christians mm-hmm. that were persecuted. Because um, think about like how Stephen was stoned to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Sawn in two. I don't even want to think about that. No. That is awful. Uh huh. So many, uh, so many brutal, gruesome ways to die, and they were still believing in God and still fighting on, even though it meant that it would lose them their lives here, but they would gain gain those rewards in heaven because God cared about them and was with them. Mm -hmm. And they knew that. Yeah. Like, man, men and women in the Bible and even still today are killed in many ways for their faith. They were beaten, mocked, stoned, crucified, flogged, brutally tortured, yet... They still keep their faith. It's it, you. This really shows me that in order to do something like that, to really not just to die for your faith, but in the way they did it, you really had to believe that with every fiber in your being. Yes. Those and, and this is actually, I think, uh, not evidence, but a good a good way to show you that those first people that said they saw the resurrection and and were brutally tortured and still said no, what I saw was true. You really know that they believe that with every fiber in their being. Like mm-hmm. they truly said, I saw the son of God raised to life. Yeah. And they were stoned for that. Because um, here's the thing. Someone wouldn't die like that for a lie. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is someone out there, but the 99.9% of people, people, I believe, would not die like that for a lie. Yes, definitely. And the world hates those who are faithful to God because the devil has it all twisted up. So mm-hmm. it's just, uh, yeah. yeah, it makes me so upset to think about how so many Christians were killed and it's just, that's the yeah. way it was. And it still is today. And it's just yeah, it's still voice of today. the martyrs and all that. Right. It's just, uh, it's yeah. Awful. Even, even today in, uh, with groups like Boko Haram, which is a Islamic terrorist organization that specifically targets Christians and they just burn them alive, burn down their villages, kill them all on site. Mm-hmm. It's still happening today and people are still keeping and their faith strong in Christ despite the torture they see. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect time to bring up a quote that I found from Spurgeon. He says, many of us may never have to brave the fiery stake nor to bow our necks upon the block to die as Paul did. But if we have grace enough to be out of weakness made strong, we shall not 
be left out of the role of the nobles of faith and God's name shall not fail to be glorified in our persons. Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of just reminds me hearing, hearing all these ways that the Christians died and still die today for their faith. Ah, like it just makes, it just reminds me we have it so easy here. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe we get ridiculed in our society for being a Christian and it's, we're definitely frowned upon and, and, and made fun of a lot. But you know, like our society has freedoms in place to protect us from from that. Yeah. But a lot of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, those people that are in countries where that's happening, we we really need to pray for them. Definitely, yes. Not just praying for Canada, but praying for the world, praying for people who are risking their lives for their faith. And how, like, um, at church uh, a recent Sunday, Will and I were at a service, and there were people there that were talking about. The persecution going on around them for Christians in this certain uh, country that we can't mention because it's very. <laughs> where yeah, where mm-hmm. they're just <clears throat> trying to like actively their secret place and they're trying to actively weed out the the Christians, Christians and stuff. Like yeah, that. and yet people are still being. And we have Sierra like, Barks in Zanzibar through our church. That's a ninety-nine percent Muslim area. Yeah. She's trying to share the faith there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so many people today are facing these things, and it's... Uh, what bravery, honestly. I know. Yeah. And to, it's like, would we be that brave? What's Sometimes crazy is I that... Wonder. Well, what's crazy is that is that we're not nearly as brave as... I mean, a lot of Christians in our society... We don't have to be. That's yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. We well, no, but we're not even brave enough to face the tiniest bit of, like... Yeah. Adversity? Persecution. Like, it's... like So, these people are sharing the faith. These people are sharing the faith... Despite risk of death mm-hmm. or worse, and the we're too uncomfortable to speak up against things that are wrong or share our faith because we what we would get people ridiculed. Could laugh at you. We might get an angry message <laughs> You'd get on Facebook. Shunned. Social media, why well, people are going to be mad at you on social media? It's like we have. Eh, they don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's my point. It's like we're not. We're we have so many accommodations we have so many luxuries that we're not get willing to give up really any of them and we're not willing to give up um so sacrifice another, so much as a a a um yeah a social media account and like the fear something. that people have to even share their testimony or what god has done and what god could do for people like there's so much fear around witnessing i find like even yeah. for me like to go out and be like hey you know jesus like how mm-hmm. like it's it's just hard so I, and, I, I feel yeah. that our faith is strong in christ yes but in a sense we're still a bit weak when yes. it comes to something like that i think so because don't want to rock the boat. I, I'm, yeah, exactly. And we won't get into it too much, but we were talking before the podcast about, you know, Christian schools and, and what's right in that. And we're saying how, you know, like even the little bit, littlest thing in, in a kid in a public school could shake his faith. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, we have it so, we have it so lucky here. Like we, we really need to make sure that we are instilling ourselves with the truth of the word mm-hmm. because... Yes. You never know what could happen, the, even though, yeah, yeah, we are in Canada or we're in America, we're in the we're in the Western world and even some countries in the Eastern world. Mm-hmm. Maybe things are are pretty good for us and we're living lavishly. Yeah. Something could happen. And maybe, maybe I, I doubt this, this would happen anytime soon. But what if something did happen where Christians started getting persecuted? Yeah. I'd like to think that we would stand up for our faith, but you never know until you face it, right? Well, that's such a thing that um, there was one analogy I heard on a podcast 
when it comes to that kind of thing. And it's, it goes something like this. It, um, you can only enforce rules if people are willing to go along with it. Well, even then you could try doing uprising. Well, even then, so the example that uh, he gave is kind of a silly story. I don't even know if I wanted to say it because it's so like kind of cartoony. But I guess I will because it demonstrates it very well. Whereas like there, he said that there's this kingdom that everyone really enjoyed um, that was very just and kind and had a good leader and they had like democratic processes and things like that, that um, things that if things, you know, there is a court system in place that if something went wrong, then they'd be taken to court and dealt with mm-hmm. fairly and by trial. And then his, uh, the king died and his son got into power and he was very different. And this king uh, basically said, okay, we're not allowed to, he basically started establishing boundaries that they didn't have before that were sort of not the way they did things. Mm. And they said, okay, if anyone um, goes past this line or something like that, then kill them. And someone went past the line and they said, okay, if I got this, do that, go kill them. And then that's the moment of truth. At that moment, what, this, what did the soldiers do? They could say, that's not how we do things here. Mm. Or they could just fall into line and just do it. And then at that moment, right. that fence becomes electrified. The fence isn't electrified until someone actually plugs it in. Mm-hmm. But it's, so it's like, um, it's kind of just like, do we just kind of just let it happen? Like, or do we just fall right into line mm-hmm. with it? Or are we going to say something? Right now, the only consequences for us saying something and speaking what's like the truth is... Social ostracization. Our, our, our friend might not like us as much or something like yeah, that. Like exactly. it's, <laughs> but it could be so much worse. Like in some of these countries where they're doing it at risk of death. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Makes you think. Yeah. And like I said, like we really need to pray for our brothers and sisters in countries where this happens. And, and think about this too, to, to add to that. The Bible teaches us to pray for those who persecute us. Mm-hmm. So th- this is the part like sometimes gives me goosebumps like those same people that are that are torturing these people that are that are killing the Christians mm-hmm. we are, we are to pray for them. Yeah. And that can be hard. It's a hard pill for me to swallow to be honest like cuz you know that part of you wants justice mm-hmm. for these people that lost their lives. But what's more important, revenge or salvation? Mhm. Yeah. And I want these people to turn from their ways and to see the love of Christ and to see, to be able to be with him one day and, and, and to have mercy and to accept that gift. So out of all these stories, I hear of, I hear of these stories sometimes and they just blow me away of, of, you know, forgiveness of people that were, that were persecuted, right? Like, uh, someone's someone's brother gets killed and then the sister looks at the guy in court and says, you know, I forgive you because God told me to forgive you. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> like <laughs> goosebumps. Um, but these it's Christians... It's against the world. <laughs> it is completely. Uh, I remember people were outraged by that. Like there are people protesting outside of the lady that forgave this man. Now, because once again, I think in our hearts, like there's a bit of that where we just want justice for that. And mm-hmm. and I think that's that's fair. But at the same time, what did Christ came come to do? He came to to offer us a gift yeah. of a second chance. And we are to do that to others as well. So this book, this area here, just describing all these different ways that they would persecute them. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two. All these, all these things. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. Um, yet they knew, which we'll get into in a little bit, that there's something better for them. Mm-hmm. There's something better in store. Well, if we're trying to imitate Christ, um, when he was put through torment, I mean, he just said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to imitate him, then mm-hmm. that's what we're to do too. The last three verses say... The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These all have obtained a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise. For God provided something better for us so that with us they would be made perfect. Mm. I think there's a pretty important part there is that another difference between us and the people in the Old Testament is that we had to have this assurance that when we die that we'll be with him in paradise. They didn't have that assurance yet. They knew that it was coming. They knew that one day that they would be with their heavenly father, but they didn't have that right away. Mm-hmm. So that's another layer of faith that they had that, that adds to the story. Yeah. And the way that um, it says the world was not worthy of them, that stood out to me because I was thinking of that one too. God was with them. The world didn't want them. The world didn't care about them. And yet there are, precious children of God who actually followed him and had them as their had him as their father and just the way that the world didn't care the world was like oh you guys are going against everything that we're teaching so we're gonna stone you we're gonna cut you in half and all these things because like we don't care about you so they weren't worthy of the mm-hmm. amazing things that God was doing and the way that God was working and the lives of people just didn't see it because their eyes were not open to the truth of God the only thing I can think of is that I thought about that a lot. They're not, wor- they're not worthy of you and, um, or they weren't worthy of them. And, uh, I can't, I don't know, like not in terms of just value, but I mean, I guess it seems like obvious just on its face. If you just came by it, like, Oh, that makes sense. But like what that really means. Cause I guess they made the decision to serve God and they hadn't. And so does that put them in some way? I guess that means, in that way, they're better than them, and only in that way. God loves everyone equally, and he values all human life. Yeah, that must be hard to be that person, to realize that you're following God, and your life is suffering, and the world isn't world isn't worthy of you. Although I, don't, I doubt you'd think of it in those terms, if you're actually in that situation. But, um, I mean, I guess there are the young son... Unsung heroes of history, mm-hmm. depending but on how you look at if it. If you, if they themselves were like, "Oh, the world isn't worthy of us," that would sound very conceited. Very arrogant. <laughs> yeah, basically, you can only receive that kind of praise from someone that's not you, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So, so something better. I think that's referring to Jesus. What do you guys think? Something better. I was thinking that, or I was also thinking New Jerusalem, okay. which the new city uh, in, yeah. that talks about in Revelation twenty-one, I believe. So that yeah. with us they'd be made perfect. Greater I don't know. things in store. Yeah. Jesus Oh yeah, that might be talking about salvation. I don't know. Like Jesus makes us perfect and yes. in heaven we're perfect. So that's all something that we can receive. I thought they just meant like, yeah, salvation from other people. Like from us. Like we're spreading salvation. Hmm. That's what I thought. Because we're made perfect in the sense that we're not we're cleansed. Yes, I would agree. Yes. So it, we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Um, I just have a note about the overall chapter. One thing I noticed was that there were no warnings in this chapter. 
Oh, yeah. Hey. Like in every single chapter of Hebrews, you've been having a lot of warnings going on, right? That's like it point. always separates it. It does. With that. But there isn't in this one. It's just like praising these people of faith and saying like, look at these examples that there's so many blessings that God is doing. He's good. He's faithful to those who have faith in him. And when we go into 12, there will be more warnings to come. So, <laughs> but yeah, I just found that interesting that it didn't follow the same pattern. Yeah. It's always a mixture of praise um, for those that are doing good encouragement and a warning. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. That I guess you could take that. it to be a warning that if you don't have faith, then. So I just uh, read quickly uh, a summary. I counted in this one chapter alone, it gave 18 examples of people that had strong faith. Hmm. 18. And wow. that is, and he didn't even like mention them all. Like he, this is just a short summary Yeah. of all these examples. So if, if, if everyone is struggling with their faith, it almost seems like you can just open the Bible to any page and read a man or a woman of strong faith mm-hmm. that found it in all these different examples. So, or, yeah, or even people that didn't have strong faith and just seeing mm-hmm. what that did to them, too. I, I found mm-hmm. this all chapter... All the Old and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everywhere. I found this chapter extremely encouraging yes, for my faith. Yes, definitely. Um, I love this chapter, Me to too. be honest. And I also found it, it... It it also helped me go back to these stories and read them all again, which mm-hmm. I liked. I like reading all these examples a, a third or fourth or fifth time. And I'm glad you did that because I did not do it for all of them. So yeah. No, it, it, was, it was really enlightening. I, I like mm-hmm. this. Oh, what? I hate that word. Why did I say that? Enlightening. The it's enlightenment. the enlightenment. I hate that word too. Yeah. I want to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I found this really beneficial. So. Yeah. Yeah. Any other Definitely. thoughts, guys? I thought that was a really interesting break from the usual pattern that Hebrews had. That's what I thought from yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Just, well, it was just breaking up a bunch of different stories of demonstrations of faith. Yeah. That was interesting. I but. liked it. Dear God, thank you for bringing us all here today. Thank you for giving us so many examples of people in the Bible of strong faith for us to look to for guidance. And and God, I pray that we are able to instill a faith like that in ourselves. I, I pray that you give us that kind of strength that they had. I pray that you give us courage, like those people of the Bible, who even though they would be persecuted and killed, God, that they they found strength in you and they stay diligent to you. And God, I pray that we are also able to do that as well and stand for our faith despite circumstances not making sense or us not being able to see what your plan is, God. I pray that we stay faithful to you in that. And I pray everyone here has great weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, amen. Justin. No problem. That's all I have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We have a website, DisciplesQuest.net, where you can find all of his Disciples Quest activity aggregated. It's also where Emily releases her blog every second Wednesday. So that be sure William to check helps that out. me sometimes, too. The last one we did was me and William writing together. I read so. it. Ooh. We also have a contact form there where you can reach out to us on. <clears throat> Hang on, let me read that again. We also have a contact form there as well where you can use to reach out to us on. You can also reach out to us on our following forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. And please send us your questions, criticisms, stories, or requests. If you'd like to support this podcast, then prayer is always a good option, and we certainly can't get enough of that. But Patreon is the best financial option for support. Speaking of which, shout out to our Patreon subscribers, Brendan, Darlene, and Philip. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for very much for listening to this podcast, and may God guide you on your quest to become better disciples. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.